Good evening. I've only gone and done it. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to beat that out, man. to this. <laughs> uh, how are you, John? All right, thank you. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Good. Glad you've got your uh, audio issues. Oh, so frustrating. It really, well, it really is. But done, dusted. I think so, yeah. I know yeah, where the, what the problem is now. So, um, how are you, sir? I am. Uh, I'm very well. Yeah. yeah, I've got a I've got a pint of Adnam's broadside. And, Stay uh, off the broadside. Yeah, life life is good. <laughs> um, it's been uh, a pretty busy week. Uh, lots of work, couple of weddings. So um, yeah, all all busy. But you? Uh, yeah, good. Um, I've been busy with work. I didn't think I'd be, but I am. Um, and uh, just putting, uh, launched a website yesterday, had two brochures go to print, um, got a website I've got to finish tomorrow, and then another one for next week. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you smash a bottle of champagne on the side of your iMac when you launched the website? No, it's a copy of one that I've done about five times. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and the client has done their own pretty pictures on the front page, so um, I won't be showing that one off. <laughs> Nice. As always happens, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Dirted. <clears throat> Dirted and sullied. Um, oh, well. Uh, yeah, so what have you been doing this week, then? What have I been doing this week? Well, uh, so I've been working a posted out commission that went over to California, which is the one I've talked about before, the Sisyphus tattoo design. Um, working on some stuff for this video games company, in again, in California, so I've posted out the first bit of work to them, did some sketches for them, which they approved, and sent out the first kind of finished illustration today. So I've got to wait for some feedback on that. And yesterday sent out first kind of round of branding ideas and logo concepts for a sports leisure company in East London. And again, waiting for feedback on that. Um, and I've been blogging. I've decided that every day in August I'm going to write a blog post. I don't know why, um, but I am. So it'll be a little bit of uh, kind of what I'm up to day in the life of me as an illustrator, designer, and then bits and pieces of, you know, what else is going on, uh, kind of inspiration bits, things like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's certainly a challenge writing every day, isn't it? It is. I mean, they're not going to be lengthy or particularly eloquent, I don't suppose. But um, I quite enjoy writing blog posts. Um, so I normally only write a couple of months. So it'll be interesting to write 31 in a row. Have you done yours today? I haven't. I right. thought I'd leave it till after the podcast and then I can, you know... Talk about the podcast. Talk about the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you might write some show notes. Oh, <laughs> oh that was low. <laughs> that was low, but you know, deserved. I really mm. should write some show notes. I keep meaning to. I will. Oh. I promise. Here you go. On air, I promise to write some show notes. <laughs> uh, if we are on air, we should probably introduce the show, shouldn't we? Yes, your turn. Uh, welcome, everybody, to particularly to the people of Guam, uh, to North v South the podcast about but not about design i'm rob turpin and that on the other end of skype is john ellerman that that 
him. Fair the enough. Cat's mother. The cat's mother. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how's your week been? Um, busy. Yeah, busy. Um, I've been a bit crippled. I, was, I crippled myself on Saturday uh, digging up a um, a load of tiles off of off of an old kitchen floor, um, which were basically cemented to concrete. So, uh, yeah, and just splintered. They were terracotta, so they just shattered whenever you did anything to them. So, yeah, I spent the day with my very helpful father-in-law um, just hacking away at about 20 your, square metres of it we've got. What was the tool of choice? Uh, well, I've got a Kango. And, uh, which oh, is that's like, one of those automatic little Yeah, things. and he was just Scottish a hammer and a chisel. Marvellous. <laughs> So it really was north v south as well, uh, but yeah. Um, and then Sunday, I just literally couldn't move. I'd fused my back into agony. Yeah. So um, I've been I've been doing exercise this week, Rob. Have you? Yeah, trying to limber Pilates, up. Pilates, calisthenics, <clears throat> um, bless you. yoga. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, um, we haven't got the heating on. But um, I've got uh, no, just um, running and swimming, but yeah. not at the same time. No. That would be miraculous. It would. Uh, uh, and how's that been for your back? Yeah, oh. it sorted it out, actually, yeah. I, I think mine's just um, sloth fuses it into a sort of a hard lump. Well, it's difficult, um, isn't it? Because, you, you know, you sit at your desk, you know, arched and crooked and palsied into this shape for however many hours a day. And then you stand up and everything creaks and clicks and cracks. Yeah, I haven't had a bad back for a long time, um, but... I think just with the the stress load that I've had the last few weeks, it's just yeah. it's gone into a tight knot. So yeah, um, and I haven't been doing regular swimming. So yeah, anyway, that's very boring. But the, yeah, so the upshot is been running. I've, I've swum twice and run once, which is quite a lot in a week. Yeah, uh, for me anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but I feel much better for it. I feel uh, yes, mentally cleansed. Good. Say, uh, what else I've been doing? I've yeah, like I said, I've finished a load of work. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was, I've written here a story about local tennis table. Yes. So, so our, our illustrious council decided to, um, create a teenage area in the old skate park where, um, up, up on the wreck and, yeah. um, which is just where they go and smoke and drink as teenagers are want to do. Yeah. So they put this brand new, beautiful table tennis, um, table in the middle of this, um, thoroughfare where nobody can see it it's just hidden away so what happened to it it got defaced instantly very sadly nice. um but expectedly so i think and mm. uh but it just reminded me of um of putting websites out to live where clients <laughs> get hold of them <laughs> it's a bit like any design job isn't it once yeah. it's out there in the real world and the client can do what they want with your logos and your design yeah. guidelines and stuff uh, I think that's where the sanctity of the brochure or whatever, you know, the printed product yeah. is, is quite good. It is frozen. Um, but uh, with, with online stuff, um, especially content managed uh, websites, yeah. And what else have I been doing? I've been looking at, uh, I was being speaking to some new clients. I had a couple of inquiries, just random ones, which mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, which is always, it always turns up when you're just finishing jobs, always get inquiries, but it's really strange. Um and uh, that could be interesting, sort of um, online branding yeah. uh, for new products. Um, yeah, one's a coffee, one's a wedding favours business. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, we'll see see what happens. Yeah. Um, coffee one would be nice to do. Yes. Yeah, they're a local roasters. Um, and uh, so I've put my proposal into them, see if they've got any money. 
Yeah. Um, and then I've been looking into printers and papers mm. uh, for our new, latest venture. And one of the things I need to sort out is VAT. So I'm seeing my accountant next week about okay. registering for VAT and what I need yep. to do. Because I'm going to be buying a lot of stuff. I need to be claiming back yeah. VAT on it. Um, and then I've been looking at branding, you know, branding, what, how am I going to brand it? And, uh, just branding yourself is you've just been through it. It's horrible. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, mine was reasonably straightforward because it was, you know, quite specific for me. Um, but what, what's the, the print business going to be called? Can you share that? Have you told I think, us about I think it's going to be called Ellie Press. Okay. So I, I put Ellie in front of everything because yeah. um, it's my surname, half my surname, and it's just a silly word. So um, I just thought, just keep it simple. And then we're going to have little imprints off of that. So our cook, cooking or food-related one is going to be called Jelly on a Plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the first one we're doing. So, um, yeah, I... Um, but the business, yeah, will be Ellie Press. I think. Cool. I think it's yeah. I think it's quite cool. a good name. Yeah. It's simple, and it's just yeah, like a, we're like a publishing house. That's what yeah. we want to be like. And then um, is we, Jess excited about the? Um... Yeah, I think so. She's going to be doing all the fulfilment and um, sales. Uh, I think if we're going to go into yep. galleries and things like that, uh, something that she's much better than me. At, yeah, that's at good. All that. And uh, and yeah, we're going to see if we can make a make a good go of it. Uh, it's just about getting it right, isn't it? Um, getting the right offering from the start that you're not getting the wrong kind of clients yeah. and spending the you know a lot of time trying to get rid of it. So it will just be start small, start really high quality and and go from there. I'll try very hard not to be the wrong client. Uh, you're the perfect client, Rob. <laughs> yeah, and I've got a couple of other people that um, have put their noses in the air. So, oh, good. Uh, yeah, it could be a good little starter, to be honest. Yeah, just need to get some products together. I've seen, actually, um, you, you introduced uh, him to me, Mike. Um, oh, I can't remember. Studio Mr. Studio Mr. Yeah, it? Studio Mr. He's, he's just done some posters, hasn't he? He yeah. has. We've both bought one. Oh, did you buy one? I, did, I, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, um, great stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, he's got it's great, great idea. Um, I can't remember. Who, someone else on Twitter is doing all the print for that, that is for it him. Dan Mathers who's That's it. a brilliant it's, screen printer yeah so it's um, going to be great yeah so yeah uh, so uh, that was that was far too long on, on myself as ever um, yeah. but um, yeah got any news in there somewhere uh, design news um, Airbnb the um, people who make it easy for you to rent out your home for holiday makers and uh, likewise to rent other people's homes when you're on holiday <laughs> have launched a design and innovation studio, um, which strikes me as a bit strange. Um, you know, not necessarily the sort of thing you'd expect from a essentially a holiday company, but I guess they're pitching themselves as a lot more than that. They claim... I, I haven't stayed at Airbnb. I don't really know that much about... There was a bit of a Ferrari, wasn't there, a year or two ago when they tweaked their logo... And then uh, something almost exactly the same turned up in a one of those logo books from ten years ago. Um, but they, you know, they claim to be sort of a design-based business. Uh, so they've launched a, an innovation studio called Samara. I don't know why it's called Samara, but um, they've already produced one, or they've already worked on one project, which was uh, uh, a house in Japan, um, 
and you're going to be able to book it through Airbnb. Um, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful cedar house, you know, impeccably designed, gorgeous looking thing. Um, so if that's, I guess that's the kind of thing they're going to be working on then. Um, but, you know, it could be a good thing. Um, I don't think they're limiting themselves to architecture and, you know, sort of interior design. They mention new economic models being part of the Samara agenda. So I, don't, I haven't got a clue what they mean by that, but I'll keep, I'll keep my eyes peeled. <laughs> I, I wonder what the design-led bit of their business is or whether yeah, it, uh, was it were they a design agency that started doing this as an idea and that took off and took over their core business or something? Well, the guy who founded them is a graduate of Rhode Island School of Design. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I know no more than that. Well, I'll follow on with another architectural-based one. Uh, I was listening to Front Row, which is uh, Radio 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we have BBC Radio 4. Um, uh, it's their, sh- their sort of culture show that they have every night. Uh, it's on about quarter past seven, something like that, just yeah. after the Archers. Uh, and it's brilliant. Um, and they were talking to the designers of the new BA, the, the snappily named as well, BAI 360, uh, yeah. which is, they're called Mark's Barfield Architects, a husband and wife team. Mm. Um, and it's, they, they built the, or designed the London Eye, um, the big um, wheel thing there. And um, this one is a copy of it, but it fits, well, it's not a copy of it. It uses the same principle, design principles, but it's it's more of like a, a lift, really, with a donut on a stick, if you can imagine it that. Or yeah. something else, as other people have called it. And um, uh, 200 people can go in it, but the difference is that it's in Brighton, uh, the posi- uh, position just in front of the old, one of the old piers that burnt down. Yeah. I think the one that um, Chris... Eubank bought and was going to have his palace. <laughs> yeah, so they denied his planning permission to live there. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it's not gone down well locally. I don't think. Is it not? Um, it's a bit of an eye. It's seen as a bit of an eyesore. Well, reading comments on things, but then comments are generally negative, aren't they? About things. Yeah. I'm not sure what, whether I like it. Um, I don't like the concrete pillar in the middle, I think. No, I quite like it in principle, but that is very inelegant, isn't it? Yeah, and it's going to stain, isn't it? And it's going to yeah. look very stark. I think one of the wonderful things about the London Eye is, is its transparency, that when, you know, you can see it from miles away, but it's it's see-through, so you can still see the rest of the... Yeah. Um, rest of the sort of the fabric of of the city whereas it's right on the beach of brighton which is very flat and a very low rise city uh it doesn't you know apart from the hill that runs up towards the station it doesn't really get very high so it's very incongruous it's very Um, visible but i mean also i would say about brighton it's not a architecturally pleasing seafront i I don't think it's a real mishmash of stuff and there's some absolute monstrosities i mean obviously you've got some beautiful you know, buildings like the Grand and stuff, but and a, and a bit of kind of Art Deco stuff, but a lot of it's kind of awful sixties looking blocks, isn't it? Yeah, it's got some beautiful Georgian stuff. I don't just yeah. don't think this. It's almost like this has been just dumped there. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the view's going to. I mean, you're just going to see out over the sea, but you see the sea from ground level, don't you? Yeah, they um, reckon you can see the Isle of Wight, don't they? Right. 40 miles, I think you can see. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. No, I'd like to have a go. I'd like to go in there. But, you know, obviously it's perfect for weddings, parties, you know, all those yeah. kind of things. With 200 people, that's quite a, 
quite it a crowd, quite a crowd you can get in there. But yeah, yeah. I just I, I don't like the concrete centre to it. Um, but you know, yeah, it's strange. It's, it's it looks you know you say it's sort of incongruous in all the pictures of it. It looks like a CGI. Yeah. Um, whereas actually, it's it's been built. It opens this weekend, I think, doesn't it? Or did it open last weekend? Uh, well, it was the opening last weekend, but yeah. I think that was private view, wasn't it? Um, mm. It's quite, I think it's quite reasonable, is it? Something to... 15, 15 quid. Is it 15 quid? Right, yeah. well, blimey. I think I must have seen the <laughs> child, children's price. Reasonable. No, I thought it was a couple of quid. Yeah. Right. Well, 15 quid, which is a lot less yeah. than, the, I think London Eye is like 24 or something, isn't it? Uh, oh, I don't know. I haven't been on, I've only been on it once. Um, yeah. It was good. Have you yeah, been I like on it? London Eye. Yeah, it was yeah. all right. Cool. Um, uh, we're talking of CGI's. Can I go on to the next one quickly? It's, yes, um, the, uh, a chap, uh, Johnny Geller, and I don't know where I got him, well, why I'm following him, but I think we're following him on our account. Um, but he posted something about a proposal. Well, he he said that it was a um, a new monument to the um, the 77 people who were killed by Brevik in Norway. In 2011, uh, yeah. one of the islands, they've basically sliced a port. Well, this is what it purported was that they've taken a slice out of one of the islands and then put a kind of uh, a memorial in there. But turned out that was just a CGI. Mm. Um, and it's it was really interesting because what we've been speaking about the last couple of weeks of of, of truth and what is real and what isn't and how, how quickly you trust things uh, on certain types of social media or yeah. certain types of news um uh, feeds um but this wasn't real so you know it's been doing the rounds of saying that this is a new thing but actually it's met with they they they'd proposed it to everybody had agreed with it, apart from they hadn't proposed it to the local communities who have said what about us yeah <laughs> we don't want our island to be sliced up yeah but um but it does look like did you see a picture of it yeah yeah it's, it's weird i've been um reading about it last week um not because of people thinking it was real someone had uh, someone had pointed um, me in its direction because of, I'd done some drawings of floating islands with slices cut ah, out. Ah, yeah, of course. And they, and they said, have you seen this? It is very reminiscent of your work, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's lovely. I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, but obviously, if the, you know, if the island residents don't want it, then it's, it's not going to work, is it? No, it's still in planning. I, 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 mm. I you know, I, 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 um, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's weird the uh, the comments on that tweet that you saw. Um, people get really um, sort of snarky about snarky it. Snarky so, you know, is the word, yeah, yeah. This isn't real. This I didn't make it past the drawing board. This is a CGI. Um, it's like, well... Well, it wasn't you know, Johnny Geller's fault. He was only no. posting a picture of it. I yeah. just thought it was interesting how, the, how we bend... We we yeah. assume things are truthful, or we yeah. assume things are not truthful, and we're just we're quick to we. There's no there's no nuances anymore, you know. There either, and I think uh, come you know our book of the month this uh, this month that we're going to be talking about later really does touch on this. This the you know there's the sort of the half tones and the mm. uh, the the softness of things. We need to take our time, look at things, and think about them a little bit more rather than jumping in with I hate it, I love it. You know, yeah. it's like those two old geezers on uh, on the Muppet Show. Yeah, Waldorf and what's it? <laughs> Salad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, but it's a beautiful thing that. Um, my next bit of news um, is um, 
Pete Mitchell, my old typography tutor from York. Um, lovely bloke. He was, uh, he's one of those tutors that, um, I can't remember anything he taught me, but I remember everything about the chats that we used to have and the, kind of him as a person. And he was encouraging and he seemed, you know, incredibly wise, um, kind of worldly wise and knowledgeable and very funny. Um, and he was a great bloke. And he, when, we, when he taught us, he was talking about a book he'd done called Memento Mori, which was a book of kind of... Um, uh, kind of dilapidated, demolished buildings in um, London and Leeds. Um, and The Guardian did a feature on his, I think it's his latest work. I don't know if it's kind of a, oh, he's got um, a book out that kind of is uh, a retrospective of his his work. So it's um, a feature and it, it's typically showing his photographs of Leeds in the 70s. Um, and they're these kind of beautiful little snapshots of everyday urban architecture and life. Um, and they're just lovely little kind of reminders of, of, of what, what it looked like back then. You know, there's kind of no glitz and glamour to it. It's, you know, it's very much, uh, the very, the kind of real working class leads, you know, these shop fronts and opticians and, you know, foundry um, doorways and and the people who worked in these places and lived in them as well. Um, Really, really beautiful photographs. Oh, I'll Um, have a look at that. I haven't seen that. He's an absolutely fantastic man. Um, He said to me, the last thing I remember him saying to me before I was kicked out... Get (laughs) out! Before I was kicked out of college uh, was, Rob, in the future, I see you wearing a tweed jacket layered on top of a Cumbrian hillside, writing poetry. So, Pete, I'm sorry to have let you down. It didn't happen. No. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the work of Pete Mitchell on The Guardian. And it's uh, cracking yeah, stuff. I'm just flicking through it. It's brilliant. Love it. Yeah. I'm going to have a look at that properly later. Oh. Well, what else have you got for us? Um, we're talking about your portfolio. Mm. And um, somebody was talking about it. Actually, uh, who was it? Simon Manchip, as ever, talks a lot. Yeah, uh, was was um, talking about how nice Adobe Portfolio was, which is basically an update to Behance's Pro site. Um, this is for geeks only, really, but um, it's basically uh, you know that conundrum of putting your portfolio together all the time. Um, there's a thing called Behance, which everyone, a lot of people use, a lot, along with Dribble and things like that. Um, let's, but not mention, let's not mention Dribble. No, but even Behance is pretty nasty, um, and uh, and has an aesthetic about it that I really dislike. Um, the colours and everything, just horrible. But I think Adobe have bought bought Behance and mm. pushing it through Creative Cloud. If you log in, you get loads of stuff. Yeah, from it. but they've taken their pro site which was their like web building platform and they've branded it in adobe but they haven't ruined it which is amazing <laughs> um and actually they've they've created some really really nice templates very simplistic um and it's a really quick and dirty easy way to get a portfolio up and running yeah. um and it's free with your creative cloud account yeah so definitely have a look at it if you want to get stuff out there i'm thinking of just taking down my website and putting that up temporarily so i can get silly not to isn't it yeah really really nice um and and obviously it's free 
in with air quotes. Yeah, um, even the, even the website uh, is is nicely done, isn't it? Yeah, it's just clean. It's just yeah. really stripped back. There's no uh, nastiness in there. The old portfolio one, I built a, a site for a client once, and it's it was just everything's black in behind so i just you know it's mm. dark and it crushes everything um and everybody on there now is just trying to flog their work which is kind of like not what i want i don't want to share a community i just want to show off my work to potential clients yeah you know? uh which sounds really sen- um insensitive and <laughs> selfish but that's what i am uh so <laughs> uh, and and if anyone wants to take a gun to me well you can't anymore because that's my next bit of news oh, how nice about that for a segue nice uh, because uh apple have done uh have uh are launching a load of um new emojis and they've taken the the gun icon in emojis and they've turned it into a water pistol which is has caused a lot of debate you only have to go on to a few websites um i was looking on the guardian one i'm sure every other news website that's picked up on this um or news news outlet has uh, has got equal amounts of just absolute bilge mm. um about um the gun control problem in the United States and all sorts of things like that. But I don't think it makes any bit of comment. I just think it's nice. It just takes the violence out of an object that you use for, you know, whatever you're going to use it for. It does. Although because it's a a Unicode thing and this is just Apple's implementation of it, if you send uh, a squirty water pistol emoji to a friend who's on um, uh, a Windows phone or a yeah, Nokia Lumia or something else. It'll appear as a revolver. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it doesn't. It doesn't really matter, does it? It's just. Yeah. It's just. It's just one of those news stories that has just blown up out of all proportion, and ha- but actually has no. There's no. There's no. There's no depth to it anyway. Apple made no claim. About no, the they didn't. Emoji. I think what's more uh, interesting is that Unicode keep coming up with the. Are we on Unicode nine or ten at the minute? these kind of releases of new emojis. And for the latest release, Apple was one of the tech companies that voted against including a rifle. So the Unicode's proposal to have a rifle emoji was voted down. Yeah. Uh, and Apple were a part of that, which I think is more important in a way because it, you know, it strips it out of anyone being able to use it. But they've replaced it with a tri- trifle. Trifle, yeah. Um, yeah, that song by The Jam, wasn't it? <laughs> Eating trifles. Yeah. That's the uh, one. No, I, I mean, I, I like an emoji. I don't, I don't use them a huge amount, but I just you like... You never I, send me emojis. No, I, I like them. I, I play this game with my brother and uh, a couple of friends where we play the film the film game oh, yeah. with emojis. I like, I like that one. I'm terrible um, at that. Uh, but um, the, you're going to be able to sell emojis. And um, there's a certain person who draws tiny little spaceships. Um, <laughs> and I just think that they'd just be brilliant little pack of emojis. I'd have to so, make them all clean and shiny, though, wouldn't I? Yeah, but that's... A, that's Well, no, not necessarily, because there's a good Snoopy one on Facebook that I like. Oh. Uh, but um, I think that that would be ripe for selling on uh, on a certain platform that's coming out soon. Uh, so, I guess it's Book of the Month. Yeah. What was our last book, Rob? Our last book was The Watchman. Ah, comic, yes? Yes, comic. And quite, quite long. Uh, yes, very, <laughs> very long. Much longer. Much, much longer than I'd remembered. Yeah, and what, uh, quite a term. What's the so book th- this month? This month we've gone for, for we've gone from a comic to a book on Japanese aesthetics, which um, <laughs> comes in at forty three pages. Uh, so this is in Prayers of Shadows by Yunichiro Tanazaki. Um, 
And I'll start by saying how I came to know about this book. So there's two strands to this. When I was at school, 14 or 15, I read, um, doing craft design communication, I used to read a design magazine. I think it was called Design, Product Design and Interiors and Architecture and stuff. And on the back page, they always used to have a uh, an article written by someone about something in design. And it was a, a bloke who designed, I think, taps and bathroom fittings, and he'd been working in Japan. And he left the hotel and... Um, realised he'd left all his shirts there. And he came back to the same hotel six months later, went up to his room, and all his shirts were pressed and ready for him, even though he hadn't mentioned them. So that kind of sparked this love of Japan uh, and this, you know, I really want to go to Japan. haven't been yet. Desperately want to go. But in this article, he mentions that uh, there's this book called In Praise of Shadows, about Japanese aesthetics that he absolutely adored. And this, I guess, was, you know, nearly 30 years ago, before Amazon and online books and things. Uh, so I couldn't find this book. And then probably 15 or 10 or 12 years later, when I first moved to London, I was walking down um, Charing Cross one day, and I thought, ooh, I'll just pop into one of the second-hand bookshops or, you know, the specialist bookshops and see, not the specialist bookshops, I didn't go in there, uh, and see if they've got it. And it was weird because this was, you know, 10 years after I'd read this one article that mentioned it, I'd always remembered the title. So I went into this um, bookshop and said to the guy at the counter, um, I don't suppose you've got In Praise of Shadows by Yunichiro Tanazaki, have you? Hopefully. And he looked up at me as if he'd seen a ghost. And he said, we haven't got a copy. And he lifted up the book he was reading. And it was Impress of Shadows by Yunichiro Tanazaki. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know who was more freaked out, him or me. Yeah. Um, so he ordered me a copy. Um, and it was just a kind of the fact that I'd always remembered it from this, this one tiny mention in an article and then this bizarre... Uh, tale of how I this bizarre coincidence of how I came to get my hands on it so it's, it's kind of been special even before I read it um, and then I read it and it's even more special um, and I sent you a copy I didn't tell you anything about it um, and just said this could be our next book of the month uh, and you read it on a train so what did you think? Uh, I loved it um, I thought it was mysterious and I, I didn't know anything about it. It arrived in the post, um, and I didn't look up anything about it. I I, I kind of guessed it was about architecture at the beginning because uh, it um, it kind of kicks off kicks off about dwellings and buildings. Yeah. Um, but it's actually more of just a. It's like an old man who's had a couple of glasses of really nice wine <laughs> and he's just reminiscing about a cer- or just riffing on a certain theme which is the shadow um and it's one it's it's a wonderful book yeah i really really enjoyed it and i say yeah thank you very much for um introducing it to me An I, absolute pleasure. I, I i can see a lot of writers uh influence um who, who were influenced by it yeah um and uh things that i've read that are really similar um, in terms of in terms of tone um you don't get a sense of his writing obviously because of the translation um 
I think it's hard to know, you know, what, what the real... Yeah, you don't know what what are his words and what are the translators, do you? I mean, the, whoever translated it, you know, it's, it's masterly, the, the language yes, they it's use. Yes, be- it's beautiful. Um, but what I really liked was the... Yeah, I like the really, really subtle sense of humour in it. Um, you know, that really, really shallow sarcasm that yeah. is hard to detect. It's, it's sort of wry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's weird. I was I was reading through it again in the last day or two, and I thought I'll just make some notes of kind of passages that are interesting. And I had to give up sort of a third of the way through because I was pretty much putting a little post-it note on every page because <laughs> the writing's just so good. And the first, it, it kind of begins talking about this this sense of um, well, the the kind of Japanese love of aesthetics, which is kind of innate in the Japanese culture you know it's not a separate thing um you know they wouldn't think twice about you know certain aspects of the way something should look in their home or how what kind of um cutlery or crockery they would use they wouldn't use crockery they'd use lacquerware or and it, it just talks about how it's it's kind of innate in in the japanese culture which is just fascinating and it Last week we talked about um, environmentalism and recycling and we talked about why, we asked the question of why recycling is much more prevalent in Europe than it is in Britain and particularly in Northern Europe and Scandinavia and Northern Germany and and it just seems to be a cultural thing. And this is kind of like that on steroids because it's, uh, I don't know, even after having read it again, you don't really understand why aesthetics are so ingrained in the life of Japanese people, do you? No, but what you do get is a sense of they're not trying it's it's got so many layers this. It's almost yeah. like lacquerware, you know? Yeah. It, um but I think if you take it from the form of the shadow, the shadow for that for him works two ways. One is the shadow of Western culture destroying uh, his beloved Japanese culture, mm. and the other side of the shadow is is the mystery and the elementalness. Yeah, if that's a word um, of Japanese uh, folklore um, from theater he mentioned you know for, uh, sex um through to uh, architecture um through to food when he talks about sushi from the mountain forests yeah. um that all of it is 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 shadowy and and filled with nuances and unknown um unknown corners um whereas the western culture is all about the bare electric light bulb which he does talk about the beauty of um and uh, and obviously, in today's architectural sort of trends, uh, the bare light bulb is 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 king at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But but um, but how how we we have everything is white tiles, white clean. Um, and this is this is uh, and the interesting thing is for me was when this was written at a really poignant time in Japanese history, um, when they started to push out with the co prosperity mm. sphere and uh, and start to rail against. Um, the Americanization of their culture, um, but using all the things that the Americans or the West had given them technology yeah. um, to become 
a major power. And I think that you get that sense in this book because it is written in 1933. So that is really at the time when Japan decided that they were going to become uh, an empire once more. Yeah. It's interesting you talk about sort of science and technology um, because he rails against the fact that, you know, Japan is trying so very hard to be American and it's taking on all the kind of American and Western technologies and products. Um, And he talks, it's quite interesting, he talks about had Japan developed its own science and its own culture of science and engineering before it had kind of been pressed upon it by the West, how different things might have been for Japan. Um, you know, the, how they might have developed things in a slightly different way. Yeah, that's fascinating. The products would have been different. Even their physics and their chemistry would have been, you know, seen in a different way. Well, I think that a lot of science fiction writers revel in this kind of capability of taking a culture and sealing yeah. it off, um, almost corking a bottle mm. uh, and, and and seeing what happens, coming back to it. It's almost like a, um, oh, what are those... What are those um, gardens that you can put in bottles T- terrarium terrarium well done there was one news story that you didn't touch on uh which was about uh weapons was did you mm. did you put that in because you'd read the book again or was it just coincidence because i um, thought of that immediately was you know what happens if we it was complete coincidence yeah <laughs> isn't that funny i mean yeah. it just shows you that this essay which it really is just touches on so much about humanity without actually talking really about relationships between people it's an absolutely remarkable but i'm going to read a bit um because i think um i think you know people who haven't read this work kind of need to get a little grasp so if you just uh, i'm going to talk about a japanese toilet <laughs> so the parlor may have its charms but the japanese toilet truly is a place of spiritual repose It always stands apart from the main building, at the end of a corridor, in a grove fragrant with leaves and moss. No words can describe the sensation as one sits in the dim light, basking in the faint glow reflected from the shoji, lost in meditation or gazing out at the garden. And the whole book is like that, isn't it? It's just, you know, every paragraph had these beautifully evocative uh, kind of turns of phrase... Yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's so evocative and enticing for me. Like have it, going to a house and staying in a house for a weekend or whatever that was like that would be just so appealing to me. Oh god, yeah, it just appeals to my personality so much. <laughs> yeah. I, I really want to go to um, to hey, Japan. Should we, we should have a North versus South. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start a Patreon <laughs> if you could fund yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and no, I was going to on the on the. Uh, the rather uh, flippant side of that, the, the, I've highlighted this this passage, which is well, the passage. Uh, <laughs> anyone with a taste for traditional architecture must agree that the Japanese toilet is perfection. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might get that tattooed. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's that's fantastic. Um, I think, that, yeah, it's really interesting. It's not anti-Western, but it's definitely not pro-Western. But I think. Uh, looking at his the history of his life subsequently, he was pro Western as a teenager and yeah. was deeply affected by earthquakes that destroyed um, not only his home, uh, it destroyed his home as a kid and as an adult, and also destroyed much of Tokyo. Um, I can't remember the date of the mm. the major one, and I think that he is 
uh, I think that might have been the big, uh, you know, sort of influence in why he sort of grasped back at what what had been lost. Yeah. Um, uh, and it and it is a nostalgic book, isn't it? In, but it's so alien to me that it's hard to imagine it as being a, a um, nostalgic. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? I do absolutely. I mean, it's one of the cultures, isn't it, that we kind of have access to, which is you know so dissimilar to our own that it's sort of fascinating and alien. Well, it was alien, wasn't it? Because uh, when when was it eighteen eighty something or other that the the Japanese culture opened up to 86 um, was it no, 86 um, and so you know if you uh there's the the film um there's a i think it's is it a merchant no it's not a merchant ivory it's um what's the one about the mikado uh it's um oh what's his name mike lee film uh about um gilbert and sullivan making the mikado oh yes and uh, and there's sort of bits of it with the exhibition when um the great exhibition when they brought over topsy yeah, no. Topsy Turvy. Yeah. yeah, well done. Yeah. yeah, and that's a great film if you want to sort of see it a cultural fantastic. snapshot of of the time when Japan did enter um, British culture. But it's yeah, it is like uh, an alien race landed mm. from space, wasn't it? That yeah. they brought this amazing mystery. When you go, if you go to the V and A and just go into the Japanese section, it's pretty much the only bit I ever go in. <laughs> yeah, I just love it so much. Uh, yeah. There was last time I was there, there was a special. Uh, show on um so it was a larger show but it's just it's only a small room but just the net ski you know yeah. those kind of things we talked about this before haven't we yeah uh, there's a book that, that in fact it reminded me so much of a book by edmund duval uh who is a ceramicist um and an amazing i'd love to own some of his bowls okay. and pots um do you know do you know him no i don't think so oh uh and the book's called the hair with the with amber eyes uh oh, and that rings a bell it's called a, a hidden inheritance and it's how he inherits he comes from uh i think the viennese jews who um uh obviously escaped to well gladly uh happily escaped to britain um mm-hmm. during the holocaust um but uh he inherits a collection of netsky um, which are those little wooden or ceramic things that hang off the bottom of boxes that yeah. were carried around by <clears throat> Japanese gentlemen. Um, and uh, and he inherits an, an enormous collection and ends up learning um, uh, porcelain out in um, Japan. Um, and, yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, it's really amazing. I uh, really recommend it. But it's written in the same way. It's kind of dreamlike, kind of telling a story of his family but also telling a story about what what they mean to him what yeah these... it's a beautifully relaxing book to read this isn't it yeah it, sort of meditative <laughs> yeah uh the other one it reminded me of um n- wasn't shogun by james clavell <laughs> which I, re- <laughs> I read last year actually which is it's pretty terrible I, re- I remember watching the the miniseries on the telly was it was it um richard chamberlain maybe yeah the, yeah 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 late 70s or something yeah i loved it i yeah. loved that i was told to go to bed when it, mm. uh the first yes. episode i think he got weed on mm. <laughs> yeah um but there's so, a, sorry what was it it reminded you of uh there's a book by um i've spoken about him before david mitchell um, oh, yeah. and it's called uh the thousand autumns of jacob de zoot zoot mm. Hoot, maybe dutch yep. Hoot. Hey, I don't know if I got that one. Um, but that is about um, the British. Uh, there was like a trading 
platform um, in in Nagasaki, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it was where they allow where the Japanese allowed um, products to come in and out of uh, Japan, but only through this tiny little portal. Um, and at one point, when uh, Span- the Spanish invaded uh, the Netherlands, it was literally the only sovereign Netherlands state. <laughs> in existence uh the book's not so much about that but i just think that's a brilliant fact um but it's a really really interesting book um and it's kind of got characters in it from cloud atlas if you've read that um i haven't uh and also the one bone clocks which was uh a secret so if you've read those they're they're all part of the same kind of story um but yeah again it's got that same kind of vibe about the sadness and the the beauty of Japanese culture, um, of which I know very little. So yeah, um, I apologize if I've which is why come it's across so fascinating. Yeah. 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 So, sorry, getting back to the book, um, there's a book, there's a, there's a quote on page 33, which is, uh, just says, ultimately it is the magic of shadows. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's the center of the book, isn't it? It is. Cause he talks about, um, in Japanese architecture, um, you know, the interiors are very plainly decorated. Um, and the interest, um, which to a, a Westerner, they just look like plain dark rooms. The interest is the play of shadows upon shadows. Um, and the alcoves, which have these kind of deep shadows with the scrolls hanging on the walls. Um, so, yeah, the shadow is, is a, it's a kind of a living, breathing thing in, in this book. And he talks about how, uh, how lacquerware can look incredibly gaudy in Western electric light, but put it in um, candlelight and it becomes something completely different. Um, yeah, that's... F- <laughs> is that Richard Chamberlain? <laughs> yeah, that's my Richard Chamberlain sound effect. <laughs> no, but I think... Um, but also, he then talks about the way that women are, cl- are swathed in the darkness to yeah. to make them mysterious. So they they their teeth were blackened, uh, they were wrapped in you know in yards and yards of uh, of material. So they were all you know they were totally hidden away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, everything is shrouded in darkness and secrecy in 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 the book. Um, yeah. No. So it's great. I really really enjoyed it. Um, it is. Uh, I'm going to read one more bit because it's. <clears throat> It makes me wonder if there's a, a kind of what the cultural differences this relates to in terms of design, maybe, uh, between the West and Japan. Western paper turns away the light, while our paper seems to take it in, to envelop it gently, like the soft surface of a first snowfall. It gives off no sound when it's crumpled or folded. It's quiet and pliant to the touch, as the leaf of a tree. And it's very, you know, Western paper, you know, is is bright white isn't it and it's crisp and japanese and chinese papers you know they have this sort of elegance this sort of man uh, you know crafted feel and look to them and that must um you know we talked briefly last week about how your environment can influence the way you work you know so something as simple as the type of paper you're working on must have a, a massive effect on you know, the quality and type of work that you would do as a designer or as an artist. Hmm. I must get myself some Japanese paper, I think. (laughs) There's something really, uh, almost ubiquitous about, um, Japanese culture in the, in the, in the fact that 
there's a lot of things that are cliched, but they mm. are practiced by everybody. You know, he says, you know, the, all the rooms have no adornment and they have an alcove for a scroll. And yeah. I mean, this is you know going back a bit, but everybody for breakfast has miso uh, out of a lacquer bowl. And um, I just watched um, my neighbor Totoro or Totoro yeah. uh, in um, with my daughter and she loved it. And uh, have you seen that film? I have. Yeah. Oh, it's so, great. Not so long ago. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And there's this, they, they, they scare the shadows. Uh, yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a house that's at the center of of the story, which sits underneath a mountain. And it, the house is really like this book um, in the fact that you know everything is shrouded in secrecy and shadows. And the, in the shadows live these little soot gremlins that yeah. they scare away. But when they scare them away, it, act, it kind of draws them into the the troll that lives in the, in in the uh, hill. But anyway, that's by the by. But yeah, she loved it, and um, she can now roar like a Totoro. Oh, good stuff. That's a good thing to introduce her to. Yeah, well, it's better than Peppa Pig, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's Western culture versus uh, Eastern culture, really. Absolutely. Um, summed up in a nutshell there. Yeah. Um, yeah, loved it. Thank you very much for introducing that to An me. An absolute pleasure. And it was, you know, it was good to send you a copy because it's meant I've reread it and it is every bit as beautiful as I remembered. So it's, uh, it's a short read. It's five or six quid on Amazon. Take you an hour or an hour and a half to read it. So if you can get hold of a copy, In Praise of Shadows by Yunichiro Tanazaki. And it's a, a beautiful thing. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure. Uh, have you got a website of the week? I have. Uh, I've got a website. Was, uh, I don't know what Adrian Shaughness has been doing on Twitter. He keeps doing these kind of 10 best websites for graphic designers or something. Right. Little tweets with links. Um, and this was one of the links... Uh, and it's fictivekin.com. And they're a studio based in Brooklyn, uh, an engineering and design studio based in Brooklyn. We specialize in web and mobile products. I haven't looked at any of their work, um, but their website is its one of those websites that's just chock full of stuff. So they've got articles, uh, kind of presentations that they've done. And it's, it's just a really sort of interesting, it's a bit, you know, hipsterish in places, but I think it's just a really interesting website. There's lots going on, so I think it's um, it's kind of worth having a look at. Fictivekin.com. Well, it's funny you should point that one out because it's uh, it's actually uh, it's it's a collective that, um, and one of the designers ran the show that I was talking about ages ago where I saw Brendan Dawes at, it was in Nottingham oh, okay. and he's a web designer. He worked for an agency called Erskine. I think they were in um, Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's someone I greatly admire. He's called Simon Collison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's um, a brilliant designer, but a brilliant writer. Um, and uh, yeah, a little bit hipsterish, but you know, can't blame him for that. He's got a lot of talent and a lot of good stuff to say, and he's been great in the web community. So yeah. um, it's good to see him being bigged up. Um, and yeah, I think that, that I don't know what they do or produce <laughs> oh. and i haven't really dipped in beyond it but he, if you can find stuff out about simon collison his website's still the same as it was about 10 years ago but it still looks great he's yeah. good typography um and i think he was an originally a fine artist um but okay. yeah he's, he's an interesting guy <laughs> and you know is, is proud of his um nottingham roots and still lives there yeah good um my website of the week and i was I was umming and ahhing what to do. 
I haven't actually looked at this website uh, in terms of read any of the articles, but it was, um, I'm going to use the word ubiquitous again, uh, but Mr. Gray. Uh, yeah, Mr. he got mentioned twice last week. I, I don't know. know if we should I think, I, well, we're down to one and then zero after that. Yeah. But um, he has posted a thing which 175 years. It's called illustrationchronicles.com. And it's 175 years so, uh, celebrated by 175 stories about illustration. Um, and it's just got lots and lots of um, articles. That uh, is absolutely bloody marvellous. Yeah. I think it's only just started, has it? Um, I don't know if they've got 175 uh, on there yet. But anyway, yeah, it's it's just a rabbit hole, isn't it? I just look at that and think, oh, my God, I can't even open that because <laughs> I'll just be gone. But it's got, you yeah. know, it's got stuff on um, Beatles Revolver album cover, um, uh, Gerald Scarf, which will be a really interesting um, article, um, Diamond Dogs cover, Sadly, Smashing Pumpkins, but we'll skip over that. Um, uh, just, you know, Toulouse-Lautrec, you know, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, you could just lose yourself in there. That's uh, for a a, Japanese illustration as well. Yeah, for a, for, a, for, a, for a podcast that is meant to be about illustration, sometimes we, we do tend to skip it. So um, we need to get into that a bit. Yeah. Um, That's a beautiful sight. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Mr. Gray, for that. Um mm. And that is me done. I am ready for my pie. Ready for your pie. What's your yeah. pie, John? I've got a ha- a pea and ham pie. Oh, my wife pea and ham. My wife brought me back from West Meon, which is a village uh, a stone's throw from here. And yep. uh, a lovely place uh, actually was where Thomas Lord came from, who went and founded Lord's Cricket. Oh, OK. Um, and uh, the butcher's there is called Harriet's. Um, and it's a Hampshire Life's award-winning butcher, apparently. So um, I'm going to dive in. It's uh, in a. Uh, it's about. Uh, I'd say it's about uh, five inches round. Um, lovely, crusty, shiny top. Yeah. Um, traditional. I'd say like you know a football style pie. Um, you know, it's not. It's not Japanese aesthetically beautiful. <laughs> mm, I'm going in. Sounds good. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Gr- yeah, it's really good. Uh, like really slow cooked hock ham hock, bits of pea, creamy sauce, crispy top, and I'm washing it down with a um, a cider um, from Mister Whiteheads Cider mm-hmm. Company, real cider from the art of Hampshire, and uh, it's good. It's, it's, it's a, a real, cloudy off, is he? It's a cloudy. It's just how I like it. It's proper cider, six mm. percent, uh, and um, it's awesome. So, cool. uh, all in all, I'm going to give that pie. I'm giving it an eight. Blimey! Yeah, it's really, really good, Rob. I do love a ham hock mm. and pea pie. I'll bring you one up. Yeah, we're going to see each other next week, are we? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. My, I've got my meeting with my accountant on Wednesday. Sorry, eating my mouth. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So, if you can make Wednesday, that would be great. Yeah, sounds good. Excellent. Well, this week my pie um, has been submitted by one of our listeners. Really? Yes. Uh, I got a message on Twitter from Stuart Weston of WDC Studio. Oh, yeah. A designer uh, who said, do you take um, pie submissions? <laughs> I don't really know why he had to ask. But, of course, I said yes. So uh, I think he was going to post me a pie. But today, uh, his lovely wife, Kate... 
um, hand-delivered a pie. Actually, it was his daughter. Get out but, of here. Uh, but she didn't drive. So I've had a hand-delivered pie. You what? From Stuart and, from he... Stuart and Kate Weston. Uh, he lives in Aberdeen. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> he lives, He lives. Uh, I think he lives out uh, kind of Godalming way, I think. I might be completely wrong about that. Um, so I've got an Adams and Harlow pie, and it's a red devil pork pie, which is um, a pork pie with a hint of chilli. I asked Stuart, he, Stuart was raving about this pie, so I said, what condiment should I, um, would go with the pie? And he said, beer. Right, yeah. So I've got beer. He did, he did uh, append that later with pick a lily might work. So I'm just going to go in. It's, um, it's a kind of a traditional looking pie, a little ruddier than you uh, would imagine. Um, it's really good jelly. Which is very exciting. So I'm going to have it with a bit of pickle lily. So excuse me now. Mmm, that's really quite good. Pastry's all right. It's not very crispy. Um, but that might have been the travel time. But really <laughs> good, really good jelly, and just enough spice in the in the bottom. It's quite a chunky cut of meat as well, so it's not too finely ground. Um. Yeah, quite hot, but not not crazy hot like that other one I had a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, that's really nice. That's going to get a good, strong seven. Yeah, it's really nice. So thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Kate, for delivery. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> that's um, so funny. So any listeners in Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> they would know a good pie. But that's good. If you, if you do know a good pie... Then please do recommend it. Yeah, definitely. We're um, we're up for that, and we'll yeah, we'll, order, we'll order them in. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. So that's a good strong week for pies. Really good. Yeah, yeah. A good good week actually. I really enjoyed that. That was yeah, um, that was too. brilliant. I really really loved that book, and um, lots of news. Um, yeah, it was good. And I can hear myself now. I'm not sounding like a dustbin. No, no, you, <laughs> you sound uh, you sound marvellous, John. I was when we talked about the book. I was going to talk more about Japanese aesthetics because I yeah. started reading a bit into it. But God, it's so uh, complicated and sort of subtle and complicated and involved. You know, there are dozens of different types of kind of Japanese aesthetics: Shinto Buddhism, uh, Miyabi, Shibui, Iki, Yugen. And it's you know it's a, it's a whole rabbit hole to lose ourselves down there, but um, but yeah, fantastically interesting stuff. So what are we going to be doing next week, Rob? I don't know. We'll have to have a think about what our next book of the month is, so we can give plenty of pe- uh, people plenty of time to think about that. Yeah, if anyone's got any suggestions, drop us mm. a line. Um, um, but yes, we'll have to think of a topic, um, and maybe we can do something illustrative. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. Marvellous. All right, then. Well, um, I will see you next week. Will do. Um, Look forward to it. Have a lovely weekend. And you. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, take care. Speak to you Cheers. soon. Bye. Bye.